Some may find the following disturbing. Discretion is advised. I just wanted to let everybody know that we've got some programming notes, uh, changes on Thursday game day. Uh, Buffon 55 is moving from Wednesday to Thursday to do a preview. We've got a guy who covers the commanders who's going to be on with us at 7 p.m. Central. And then uh, after the game, it's uh, barefoot ball. But we're here to talk. I can't get used to calling them the commanders. I know. I never will. I never will. In fact, that's the first time commanders came out of my mouth other than com- uh, the Commodores. <laughs> I used to call them watching the Commodores, which I think would have been a better name. But anyways, uh, Greg, how are you, my friend? I'm doing good. How about you? I'm doing great. You know, I feel so much better after this week's <laughs> loss than last week's loss. <laughs> well, I, I hear you. It, it, it's an entirely different vibe. But still, I don't know if you saw the tweet I, I put out last week. Last week's loss doesn't look as bad anymore. When you look, the Giants are pretty damn good football team. Yes, they are. You know, and and, and uh, they kicked the ass of Green Bay and over mm-hmm. in London, and, and they didn't luck into that win. They kicked their butt. Mm-hmm. And you know, Brian Dibble, and you know how I feel about Brian. He was always my my number one guy for the Bears job. Um, and trust me, I have no problem with the job Flus is doing, and I'm glad they hired him. But, you know, if they were going to hire an offensive guy, that was the guy I wanted being number one. He's a Buffalonian like me. Number two, the job he did with Josh Allen, who had a lot of similar problems to, to Justin Fields, mm-hmm. you know, but, but he, it, it took really, it was, it was Josh Allen's third year before he really took off. And his third, the, the difference between his second year and his third year was like night and day, mm. you know, and, and I, I, I got a good friend of mine in, in Buffalo who is a very astute football guy, especially with, with quarterbacks. And we have a couple conversations about it, you know, and like, you know, you go back and you critique what he was doing and in, in uh, his second year and making poor reads and throwing picks and his touchdown to interception ratio was awful. Uh, even though they're winning games because they had a pretty good team, he he you know Josh Allen himself wasn't playing that good, but then he gets the year three, and part of it is year three within the same system under the same coaching staff. He just and they got him Stephon Diggs. He just you know makes a huge change in his game. And now, I mean, now he's in year five, and it's like, holy shit. I don't know if you saw any of that game yesterday. Yeah, I did. Wow. Third play, third, and it was on opposite the uh, the Bears game, but I, I switched back and forth. So they they muffed the opening kickoff. They, they got the ball on their own two-yard line to start the game. Mm-hmm. So he throws an incomplete pass. Then they do a run for uh, – no gain. And on the third play, he throws a 98 yard touchdown pass. And that ball went about 50 in the air. So, I mean, you know, just some of the stuff that, that he does is, uh, is amazing. And, and, uh, you know, Ken Dorsey's the coordinator now, but he's really doing, he's doing his version of, of Brian Dable's offense. Mm -hmm. But all that being said, I, I could see the light came on 
yesterday mm-hmm. with Justin. And, I, and I, I put a lot of thought on this. So this is actually before the game. This offense is not easy. It takes guys a while to really learn and feel comfortable within the scheme. And a perfect example is Russell Wilson. Mm-hmm. Does he all of a sudden stink? Nope. Okay. This guy was a pro bowl, all pro quarterback for years, probably one of the top five or six quarterbacks in the league for a number of years. Now he goes to Denver and it's like, who is this guy? He looks like a bum. <laughs> and, and you can't tell me it's just him. I think, you know, it, it's, and, and you go back and, and the part of the reason I came up with this was really thinking about what Mooney said. Mm-hmm. Last week, I ran last. I ran last year's route. You know that this stuff happens, and, mm-hmm. and once everybody gets on the same page, then things start to open up. You got to start feeling comfortable. And Flu said something today, really kind of like along the same lines. He, you know, he said, "Well, it's not only Fields, and I'm, I'm paraphrasing, not only Fields being comfortable, but it's the coaches feeling comfortable with the players." Yes. Indeed, I saw that. Yeah, it uh, you know it last uh, yesterday's game was an example, another example of the progression we have slowly seen. Now it's slow for fans, of course, but it it probably this type of progression is something you have seen throughout your thirty uh, plus years uh, in the business of professional football. I think that we should be grateful that by game four or five. Justin Fields has shown so much progress when you consider in all the factors, the new system, the new teammates, um, all of all of the, the environment that he's surrounded by. Yeah, and, it's, and it's not just new with him. It's new with everybody. Right. Except for two people, Patrick and St. Brown. Mm-hmm. Yeah, unbelievable. Uh, you know, uh, Greg, in yesterday's game, the, the play – there were two plays really that I thought changed the momentum and it's late in the first half. There was a defensive play uh, by the uh, three tech uh, defensive tackle comes around on this. Um, uh, uh, what's it called when they zigzag? Uh, I'm forgetting the Stunt. word. Stunt. Thank you. He, he uh, got that sack and that was a third down sack. So the bears get the ball and then the tremendous fields to Mooney play the one handed catch by Darnell Mooney is something that's going to be on highlight reels uh, for a long, long time. This is, this is a, a perfect example of complimentary football of an entire team just getting together and getting things done. Um, I was really, really uh, proud of what the defense did there to stem the tide because at that point, the, the Vikings were just moving the ball on the Bears uh, like the Bears were a high school football team and they were a pro team. But that sack was huge. Well, first of all, you got to give some criticism to the defense because they were playing awful. Mm-hmm. Now, now, part of it, and then they they, they put another guy in there they started three rookies in the defensive backfield. Now that's you, you play against a, a, a veteran quarterback. He's got to be licking his chops. It's, it, it's hard enough playing with one rookie. Now you got three. <laughs> you know, <laughs> the only guys that are veterans are Jackson, who's a legit veteran. And then Vildor and really Vildor's a, you know, a half rookie, you know, very limited experienced guy. So you've got to be licking your chops and going back to what I was just saying before, so I, I don't lose this this thought. Uh, 
is the Minnesota quarterback has played in this system before. When he was in Washington, he played in this scheme. So it's not like he's having a lot of success because their scheme is similar to the one that, that, that the uh, the Bears are using. You know, it's, it's the Shanahan-McVay scheme. Mm-hmm. And they were using it in Washington when he was there when, in the first few years in the league. Yep. When, and, when Shanahan was the OC. Right, right. And, and you, don't, you don't forget, you know, say, okay, well, he hasn't played in six years. So what? Right. I remember I remember the play calls from when I was the last time I played football in that offense, and that was 1981. And I could, you know, I, I remember I, I was a running back. I remember all the running plays. Yeah, it's it's funny how the mind works. There are just certain things that you can retain for a long time and things that you learned a day or two or you, you forget. So um, one of the things about this team that it really impresses me, too, is just how well the coaching staff has motivated these players to not have a quit attitude. This was uh, David Montgomery today asked about the morale uh, on the sideline in the first half. The sideline, you know, the morale was still up, but, you know, it kind of drifted a little bit just because that's that's natural. But once we got into the locker room um, for halftime, we all was like, we, we can do this. Like, come on. And, and when we came out, you seen we were we were climbing. So, um, like I said, and like I always gonna say, like I'm telling you, like we got some guys, some guys with great morale, and some guys who are willing to like put it all on the line um, just to give us a shot to do it. Um, it didn't end the way we wanted it to, but um, we will get better. Greg, uh, Ryan Poles gets a lot of criticism on social media. He neglected to fill this position, neglected to fill that position. But I'll tell you one thing. The guys that he did fill uh, positions with, they're all great character guys who will not quit and will make this city proud uh, either by winning games or just playing hard and and earning our respect, is my opinion. You know, I I might get in trouble with people here, but, you know, I got to say it, and and – it's some fans expect too much. Sometimes these guys are professionals. They know what the hell they're doing. This team was not going to be a Super Bowl team overnight. This team was terrible. And this year is about building a foundation. I wrote this came out maybe an hour ago. uh, Windy city gridiron. It's about building a foundation and finding the guys that you want going forward. And then next year, you're going to grow on it. And it's probably the 24 season that you're really going to see the fruits of the work. And, and maybe they get lucky and it's next year. But it takes time. You know, rebuilds don't happen overnight. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and, and fans get crazy. I, you know, I, I'm a Notre Dame fan and, and you should see some of the stuff that's put in that way. Fire the offensive coordinator. Fire this guy. Fire that guy. You know, it's like, Jesus, you've got a, a pretty much a brand new coaching staff, coaching new players over, you know, at Notre Dame. Same thing with the Bears. It takes time. Mm-hmm. You know, and, 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 and the college thing, you know, when I first came into the league, spring practice lasted about five, six weeks. Now they got – 15 practices or 14 practices or something like that. And double sessions have been cut out. You can't install 
things as quickly as you used to be able to because of all the safety precautions they've done in the game, be yes. it college or the NFL. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'll tell you one thing, you know, a guy uh, who a week ago uh, I saw a lot of comments on social media, Valus Jones isn't a receiver. Valus Jones is a terrible draft pick. Well, Valus Jones finally scored his first touchdown. And when you uh, consider the amount of injuries that he's suffered, all of the hardship he's gone through, it's impressive that he got his first. And this is actually a, a pass reception, although I think they should change that rule. The ball should go over the line of scrimmage if it's a pass. <laughs> but nonetheless, he showed his uh, Hey, the ball the ball goes forward. It's a pass, but I'll tell you what the, he showed to. You know, he's a four three one guy. Mm -hmm. He showed that four three one scooting around the edge on that one. Yep, and this guy is a an incredible hey, weapon. Right there, mm -hmm. he just turns it on. <laughs> nice, <laughs> and this is a weapon. Uh, uh, Darnell Mooney said last week, you know, don't worry about Valus Jones. He's going to score a lot of touchdowns for the Chicago Bears. So it was poetic justice that he scored it in the very next game. And so we just need to get him more and more touches, and that's going to happen. And back to the topic of Justin Fields, you know, uh, last last week there were opportunities for him to pull the trigger on certain passes. And this week, it seemed like there wasn't any of that reluctance. Do you think that the offensive line played well enough for him to have a little bit more confidence to stay in the pocket and not move? Or do you think that this was there all along? I'm not saying the offensive line is good by any stretch of the imagination, but that the offensive line really hasn't progressed much, but that Justin Fields has done the progression. Now, I'm going I'm to give you an honest answer on this. First of all, the line is very young. Mm -hmm. Okay. Now, I'm not I, – I, I, like Olin, I had been – Sticking up for the center a little bit for Sam Mustafer. Mm -hmm. Can't get the job done. But, and, and why they won't change it, make a change, it is beyond me, other than you, know, you want that continuity in there. And if you would have made the change and you're making changes at several positions in one week, and do they really want to do that? I understand what coach think is. For that fans don't always agree with that uh but he's he's just not good enough but do we gotta wait until mustafer's back or can you put another young guy in there and and these coaches are around these guys every day they know if a guy's ready to play or if he's not ready to play mm -hmm. and, and and if he's ready to play they probably would have made the change they're that, that my thinking now is that they they just aren't comfortable with a couple of these young guys. That doesn't mean they're not going to be real good down the road. They're just not comfortable. Now, in saying that, I think there's some players on that offensive line that have got a chance to be really good pros. They need one thing, experience. Mm -hmm. They need to play. So they're going to go through their growing pains. But Braxton Jones, he's going to be the left tackle for a while. That mm -hmm. guy's got freaking talent. And then when he's got 35 and a half inch arms, you know, which is was is outrageous for a, for a left tackle. He's very very athletic. Uh, he he recovers quickly. Does everything you want. He's got to get a little stronger in the lower body, I think, and that'll and I think by next year he will be because he'll be in an NFL weight program. NFL weight program is a lot different than the weight program you're going to have at at Southern Utah. Now he's strong in the upper body and he shows that, but I think he's got to get stronger in the lower body. I think Borum. 
will get better. You'll get you get better with reps and 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 experience. Don't forget, Leno really struggled when he first became a starter. Mm-hmm. You know, and then he got better and better. And now they're thinking, why 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 they get rid of him? <laughs> why why they let him go? Because because his we play him this week. Thursday night, he's playing pretty. He's probably the best offensive lineman Washington has. Yeah, um, there's very little argument on that. I've talked to a couple of people who follow the Commanders closely. As much as we dislike, uh, or many people dislike Leno here in Chicago, um, a highly unlikely we'll see any changes to the offensive line given that the upcoming game is Thursday. But right. after that, with this mini buy and so forth. What is your anticipation? Do you think that Luke uh, uh, Lucas Patrick is finally going to make his debut at center as was planned for this season? You know, it's an interesting question, and, and I agree with you. It's not going to be this week. If you listen to Floosh today, they're not even practicing. Walk through today, walk through tomorrow, and you're going to have a little something – more like a mini camp practice on actually the day before a game. Mm-hmm. So you got two rest days and then you're, and you're not going to have any hitting, but it's going to be, they're going to have helmets on. So you're actually practicing the day before a game uh, or, or Washington is probably having a light practice tomorrow. Um, I think this team is young enough that you can do that you know, play and, and actually it gives them a, a, an extra day. Somebody has Leatherwood be about time. Leatherwood can't play right now. He's on, on non-football injury. And I think he's got to stay on a minimum of four weeks for that, but I'm not a hundred percent sure on that one, but, uh, and then he's not going to be ready to play anyway. You got this guy, you got to strip down totally and then rebuild the base. He's played without any confidence at all. Got torn up out with the Raiders. And, and, and just, you know, this guy was a legitimate first. Okay, at worst, top of the second round player. And just got beat up badly out in, out in Oakland. Uh, probably playing the wrong position. You know, had him on the right side. He was a pretty damn good left tackle at Alabama. And, 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 Warren handled his own against those real good SEC uh, edge rushers, but they, you know, he struggled on the right side. And personally, I think he's a guard. And if you, you know, maybe he ends up being a, a, a left guard and then Patrick's your center or whatever. And I, I see a lot of stuff on social media. They think people say Patrick's a boss. Well, I'll tell you what, go back and watch Green Bay tape from last year and put on every game because I have. Mm-hmm. His, his rating last year was sky high. And if, and if, you know, PFF can say whatever they want, but I know what I saw on tape. And the guy was damn freaking good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I and I floated this possibility yesterday on our Bear Football Show is perhaps, you know, Patrick will stay at left guard for a little, even if he can snap, because they're concerned about who would be the player that would take their place, uh, take Patrick's place at left guard. Yeah, yeah. That's what I've been saying. It's 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 who's ready to step in there and play that position. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay, and, and you know, is the rookie, uh, what's the name, Allen from uh, San Diego State? Is is he ready? Uh, is one of the uh, vets ready? You know, I, yeah. Riley Reef. You know, I, no, I, Riley Reef's a tackle. I mean, yeah. you know, you're not going to see him inside, huh? 
No, I don't think so. Well, and, you know, let's all recall uh, early on, before the team even got on the practice field, uh, a, a comment that was uttered over and over by Poles and Eberflus was, we're not afraid to play rookies. And this is all by design. I think Poles. <laughs> I think Poles hired Eberflus in part for many reasons, but in part because he was not going to, as some veteran coaches, you know, kind of shun rookies. Uh, Eberflus felt like, you know, we're going to have such a good coaching staff of teachers that we're not going to be afraid to play the young guys and and live with their mistakes and and correct them. And and I like that style of coaching. You got to give these young guys an opportunity to go out there and, and show what they can potentially do. You know, Kyler Gordon has made some mistakes early in his career. Mm-hmm. That happens to rookie corners. That mm-hmm. happens to the best of them. He's also starting to make some plays. And the plays are going to grow week after week after week. You're going to see him grow as a player. The important thing is he doesn't lose confidence. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I've been touting Kendall Vildor forever <laughs> because I saw what he did in college. You saw the, the raw skills. Mm-hmm. And, the raw skills were really good. Well, guess who made some plays yesterday? Kendall mm-hmm. Vildor. Mr. Kendall Vildor right here, a great interception. Yeah, he's a special guy, and we spoke with him. Gentleman- special, but, you know, he's got talent. Yeah, that, you're absolutely right. I wouldn't say at all. I shouldn't say he's he's special. But uh, one guy who was a big uh, proponent of him was Jack and Jim Nagy, who runs the Reese's Senior Bowl. He yeah, I, told, saw, I saw that tweet of his. Yeah, he, he told us. Uh, Chicago fans, be patient with Kendall Vildor. He's going to turn it on. And so perhaps we're starting to see the emergence of Kendall Vildor. And you have been a proponent of him saying, you know, what, give him time, give him time. And so hopefully we're seeing the fruits of that. Uh, I also wanted to play one more play. We got off the topic of Justin Fields uh, quickly, but this past, uh, this 18-yard gainer to Equinemia St. Brown is what I'm talking about in his confidence. Look at, he he looked so comfortable in the pocket there, Greg. I mean, he, he that because he's looking left first. See that? Right, he's looking right. left and then comes back to the right. And yep. as soon as he looks to the right, the ball comes out of his hand. It's, it's this play is poetry. Everybody really appreciate the line, his footwork, his his head movement, the accuracy of the pass. It's poetry. Frame this one, everybody. And the, and the route by EQ is is well done. He he shakes free here. Something that uh, Bears wide receivers have been criticized for not creating separation. No problem with EQ's route there. Um, so the big question is. Did they take advantage of a porous uh, Vikings defense? This is how it was described to John Buffon and me on Buffon 55 last week by Arif Hassan of Pro Football Network. He says the Vikings uh, defensive secondary has been a bit porous this season. So did uh, Fields, you know, benefit from that? And are we going to see a regression once he starts playing a better defensive secondary? Your thoughts? Well, I have said this a a couple times and and a lot of times I throw out what happened in previous weeks because Mm -hmm. every game creates its own entity. It's, it's a separate piece, you know, and, and perfect example. And I think, you know, we talked about this before green Bay stunk on their first game. Then they play at home against the bears in their second game and they're a totally different team. You know, you got to throw out some of that other stuff. It's, it's, what are your what are the matchups between team A and team B? 
Mm-hmm. You know, you might not match up well against a certain team, but match up really well against another team. Yeah. And, and you know, you can use the, 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 the Giants game. The Giants might have felt they had good Giants game yesterday against Green Bay. You know, they might have felt they had some really good matchups mm-hmm. going into that game. And, and, and that's what it's about. So when, I, I think it's just my years in the league. I throw all that stuff out the window. I don't care about it. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, you look to see the strengths and weaknesses and what you think you might be able to do. But again, you're also looking at the matchup. Just because the team gave up 150 yards on the ground last week doesn't mean they're going to give up 150 yards this week. Mm-hmm. Indeed. It's great to see David Montgomery back in action. Uh, he didn't get the rushing yardage that he has in past games, but uh, his very first touch was a 30-yard uh, reception, and he also uh, scored the touchdown. Uh, I think that was, yeah, that was the first uh, touchdown of the game for the Bears. Uh, he's a special player, and his contract is up at the end of this year. We all know how players are uh, at the running back position are considered disposable but man, oh man, I really do wish David Montgomery becomes uh, signs another contract with the Chicago Bears. You have any thoughts on on Demont as he's being called nowadays? Um, yeah, would I like to see him back? Absolutely. Um, I get the the run the running back thinking because mm-hmm. I agree with it. You know, seldom do you see good running backs get into a second contract and really have productive years. Are there a few? Yeah. There's always going to be a few. There's going to be exceptions to the rule, but it's not a lot. They just, they take so many hits, they start to go downhill. Now, if you can get him at a reasonable price, then yeah, bring it back. Now, here's the one thing that Khalil Hilbert's a good back, but the one thing Khalil Hilbert is lacking right now is pass blocking. Mm-hmm. And and he's not going to be a complete back until he learns how to pass protect. And learning how to pass protect isn't just hitting. It's vision. It's the awareness of, of, of knowing where blitzes are coming from, knowing how stunts work, and, and, and understanding that from watching tape during the week, and then having the right technique when you have to sit and take on these guys. So mm-hmm. until he learns that, to me, he's still a backup, a backup that's damn good, but you don't totally trust in the pass game because you can't trust his pass protection mm-hmm. at mm-hmm. times. And, and I'll tell you, now a guy you say, you know, how could he pass protect? But Tariq Cohen, a little, just a little shit, but my God, he was a pretty damn good pass protector. He was. He used, he used all five foot six and hundred and ninety pounds to hit people with that thing, and and he was very aware for blitz pickup and, and things of that nature. That's the the only missing piece from the difference between making Khalil Hilbert good to very good. We're getting some disagreement here on uh, Montgomery's. Uh... Nickname. Uh, I think he's got more than one. Demo, Monto, Demont. I don't know. I just I'll call him Montgomery from now on. <laughs> Thank you, Monty. That always work. All right. Uh, big problem with yesterday's game was the defense. Boy, oh boy, before you knew it, it was 21 to 3. And uh Eberflus and Nicholas Morrow both met with the media earlier today and they discussed 
the slow start in the first half and how to go about correcting mistakes? Yeah, I, I think you can do a bunch of different things. You can change the tempo of practice. You can change the, the amount of reps. You could do a bunch of different things there, um, and we will do that. You know, we, I got to talk to the staff more about that. We'll have some time to talk um, after this game to visit on that, but uh, we certainly are going to do something to, to adjust um, how we've been performing there. We just got to come out earlier in the games and, and execute at a higher rate early in the games. Um, that's the biggest thing I can say is, like, we just got to play better in the first half. I don't know if there's any true answer to it because it's not a different different set of pl- players on the field in the second half than there is in the first half. It's the same players, same coaching staff. So it's just we got to play better in the first half. We got to figure it out. They did go on to say that they made adjustments, and clearly we saw the adjustments in the third quarter. The Bears defense played much better. So my question to you, Greg, is was the Chicago Bears coaching staff outcoached in the first half? I, I don't like using that term. I, I, I've used it sometimes. I, I, I think, number one, the Minnesota offense, so really O'Connell, he, you know, he got three rookies in the secondary. He knows that, and he went after them. Okay. And, and so they were going to – I don't know if they were doing any type of mass protection. I haven't re-looked at the game yet. I haven't had time. But the, you know, I, I think that that had a lot to do with it. The weakness of the Bears' defense right now is the secondary in that they're young. It's not that they don't have talent. They're young, young and inexperienced. So we can do stuff in the passing game that's going to confuse them. On top of that, they got a guy that had Jalen Johnson been able to play, and I'm not so sure he's going to be able to play this week either. Now, for sure, probably two weeks from now, but I, I'm not sure this week. But, you know, that's it, it's tough to have that many rookies in a secondary and you want to have any cohesiveness and, and, and good play. And people say, well, you ought to blitz. Well, you can't necessarily blitz because now you're leaving even less coverage. you got to mm-hmm. have some coverage on the field, mm-hmm. you know, and you got to have help from the guys underneath. Mm-hmm. What do you think about what Michael says here about gap integrity? He says, you know, what What are our linebackers looking at? Two weeks in a row, they've looked like crap. Well, it, it is a gap control type scheme, mm-hmm. you know, how, and, and that, and when Lovey came here, and if you haven't played in this scheme, you make mistakes in it. And it really only takes one guy to screw up, mm-hmm. you know, because you got, you know, player A is responsible for this gap. Player B is responsible for this gap. Player C, this gap. And they have to play in unison. Mm-hmm. And if they don't, one guy breaks his, his um, what's the word I want, his, his um, assignment mm-hmm. and freelances, so to speak, it screws up the whole defensive play. Mm-hmm. Indeed. Um, and then, of course, there was the uh, the only blemish in the second half of the defense was that final drive for the Vikings, and so Morrow was asked about that. Oh man, yeah, that was a rough drive. I think it just we just got got the field in third down. There was, there was some times where we had opportunities to make plays, and I think even in some of like the second downs, we got to minimize those. Like, even through checkdowns, we got to make sure we come down and, and tackle and, and knock it back so that they don't have a you know a third and short or whatever the case may be. But they were doing some things like getting to the ball really quickly just to see our, you know, show our hand and see where we were in. Um, 
you know, so there's, there's ways we can kind of combat that a little bit, but I, in the end, it's going to come down to like making the plays in the fourth quarter. We got to make those plays in the fourth quarter to win the football game. Um, that's the deciding. That was a deciding drive. I mean, dr- drive for the game, and we got to make those plays. Got to make them plays. Well, and, but and you got to figure that Minnesota hadn't done anything since their uh, second last drive in the first half. Mm-hmm. Okay, when the, and you know that, that their last actually the Bears stopped them twice. They stopped. They they held them to a missed field goal on that last short drive. You know, in the final minute, and then the drive before that where they got the ball to uh, be able to do that touchdown and then all through you know three quarters of the second half until that final drive Mm -hmm. so but and saying that now here's the key play and and it wasn't even on the defense it was the holding call on the bears that negated justin fields touchdown oh my gosh yes (laughs) that wasn't a hold at least I should my opinion that replay, darn it. Uh, because now it's a different game. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And, and, even, so- and, even, and even with that, they still probably needed a field goal to win, but we'll, we'll get into that in a minute. But the thing, you know, now there was a similar play in the game last night, and Collinsworth said it was a good call. He said they're going to call it every time. I mm-hmm. personally don't think that's a hold. Jenkins, and how about that? I think that's the first penalty on Jenkins all year. Wow. Unless he had a false start somewhere, which he might have had. But I think that's the first. I know it's the first holding call. Mm-hmm. But he he met the guy in here with his head, which you're taught to do. You grab in here. You can hold it here, and they'll never call it. Mm-hmm. Okay, so the play goes to the outside, and the defensive man – starts to turn and pull away and Jenkins hands are still right here and Mm -hmm. his left hand. So his left hand, you know, hitting the guy on his right side. So right in here. And as the guy's turning away and he, yeah, is he grasping that? Yeah, but that's what he's allowed to do. And that's what he's taught to do. Mm. And when I saw that on the replays and right away, I took it out. That's not holding. Mm Mm-hmm. He kept his hands inside. They're, in fact, they're, they're right at the numbers. Well, and we did have a question regarding the officiating, so let me get to that. Let me find it uh, first. Uh, what was your overall thought about the officiating in this particular game? Piss poor. <laughs> the, the, uh, I, I didn't tweet about the, the uh, block on or the call of a, you know, block from behind on Smith Barset. Mm-hmm. That was not a block from behind. His hands were in front of the player. Mm-hmm. Just find the play and, and look at it and see where his hands are. His hands are in front of the player, and that is not a block from behind. A block from behind is pushing the player from behind, hitting them in the back. Right. Okay, so that was a missed call. And then there was one other call. I think it was against the Bears' defense. It might have been a defensive holding or something. I go, that's a shitty call, too. And I mm-hmm. I can't remember the exact play. But the, I, I tweeted out that one, and I tweeted out the one on Jenkins where those weren't, those weren't penalties. Mm-hmm. 
Well, we got to get to that topic of uh, the play that um, could have been, should have been, uh, would have been, whatever you want to call it. The the uh, the Bears on the march with a great opportunity to tie the game, uh, but the new receiver acquired from the Vikings practice squad, Smith Marset, uh, decides to make a move back into the field instead of going out of bounds. What is your analysis of the play, and what do you think the discipline should be on the player? Well, there's not going to be any discipline on the player, and right away, I mean, they're one play away from being able to kick a field goal. Mm-hmm. Okay, so, I, and I tweeted this out last night. He's got to know what's going on in the game. Okay, down and distance, time left, timeouts, where he is on the field, he easily could have got out bounds right there. Oh, yeah. Okay. Now, his instinct as a football player is telling him, and, and part of it's like, you know, he, he was on the Vikings, so he wants to make a play. Mm-hmm. And he, the difference in, in that trying to make a play and not make a good play was two to three yards is max. Is two to three yards going to make a difference? There's still more than a minute to play in the game. And the Bears have a timeout, and they're in positive territory. They're over the 50-yard line. They're, they're, like I say, one play away from at least being able to kick a field goal or attempt Mm -hmm. a field goal. And so that's on him, his awareness of of what's going on during the course of the game. And that's totally on him. And, you know, that's a strike against him, and you got to be wary of, of being able to trust him. Second time, he's a young player. And young players make stupid mistakes like that, but they're pros, mm-hmm. you know. And and you, you got to know, hey, I got to get out of bounds. First of all, it saves a timeout, and they only got one. Yeah, yeah. Well, but you know, there's two things he did wrong. Mm-hmm. He didn't secure the ball either. <laughs> That's right. Well, and the reason that he was thrown the ball in that situation, I'm guessing, is because Dante Pettis just had an awful game. Awful. Well, I'm sure that's right. Dante Pettis has dropped three passes in two weeks. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> he dropped now the, the one I can give him a semi pass on. That's last week, you know, in, in the end zone because he's got there's a, like if you watch the replay, the defender's hands like right in front of his face, like mm-hmm. this. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, you know, his ability to track the ball might not have been there, but still a good receiver is going to make that catch and you're supposed to be a pro. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, but the two yesterday and, and you know, Sheriff Schlereth is trying to blame Justin Fields on the floor on the, on the throw. Yeah. It should have maybe been a little in front of him, but he's a pro receiver. You make that catch. It was right here. It's not like, you know, it was a, a it was off target by maybe this much. Mm-hmm. Okay, so he's supposed to make that play. Right. And I know that you uh, were calling around uh, some of your contacts throughout the NFL about Pettis because you were high on him coming out of college and you wanted to know what the hell has happened to this guy as a pro? What is there anything that perhaps somebody has said that we can maybe say, well, one plus one is two here. Maybe this guy isn't as focused as he needs to be or just some- got it. Attention to detail, mm-hmm. and 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 that's kind of drops your concentration. Mm-hmm. 
Drops are two things, poor hands or concentration. Now you watch some of the catches he's made throughout the course of his career going back to college. Mm -hmm. He doesn't have poor hands. Concentration's a problem. Mm. And 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 it could be concentration slash toughness. Mm. Well, I don't think he's uh, uh, going anywhere because uh, who do you replace him with, with the inj- injury problems? Perhaps if Nikhil Harry is ready to play soon, you know, maybe. Oh, he's been act- he was activated an hour and a half ago. Oh, was he? Woo-hoo-hoo. Well, yeah, what? He's, yeah. he's, been, he's been brought up to the 53. I do not necessarily think that means he's going to play because there's no practices this week. Right. (laughs) Here's the thing. Everybody says, got to go out and get another receiver. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I I tweeted this, I think, out to, um, was it Ross Reed? Might have been, or might have been Ill Will, that it's pretty hard to bring in a receiver, even trade for a receiver or off the street to mm-hmm. play in this offense because it's three or four weeks before they're going to be up to speed to be able to trust them Yeah, in this offense. It takes receivers a long time. What's going to happen, same thing you're seeing with these guys right now. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it takes some time to get comfortable within the scheme and be able to play at full speed. Right, because of all the site, a lot of it's the site adjustments you have to make, mm-hmm. and site adjustments are not an easy thing, especially for young players. So you're going to bring in a free agent on the street now. If you've got a guy who's got experience within this scheme, that's a different story because then he can get up to speed a lot quicker. But mm-hmm. somebody who doesn't have experience, to me, it's a waste of time. Yep. Well, and perhaps the answer to our wide receiver woes, uh, we got a, a preview of the answer uh, in the name of Valus Jones uh, scoring that touchdown. He has uh, gotten reps, although he was injured for a good portion of, of, uh, of the uh, exhibition season, preseason. But he's got a lot of mental reps, and so hopefully he can step in and start doing a well, job. Here's what I think. I think some of this is is Thursday night, and I, I think they win Thursday night because – Washington is not a very good football team. They're struggling. And I and I feel for yeah. my friend Ron Rivera because I, I got like respect way up here for Ron. He's just one mm-hmm. of the classiest people and, and good people around in the league. But it is as far as getting these guys ready, I think it's the following game. Cause you've got that time period. Right. You know, not only do you got Thursday from Sunday, but the next game is Monday. Mm-hmm. You, got, I mean, that's to me that's crazy. And the same thing happened to Buffalo. Uh, you know, Buffalo played the Thursday night game in, uh, in LA to open the season, and then their following game was their home opener on a Monday. That's that's almost two full weeks off. Mm. Wow. By the way. Uh, there has been news that Ron Rivera not, is on that hot seat. And once, apparently, according to, according to Doug Dyer, called uh, Rivera out during practice. And I know the media is starting to really ratchet up. Well, it, he, he didn't really call him out by name. Okay. He said, well, what's the difference? And he mm-hmm. said, the quarterback play. Because mm. I, I read I read the excerpts of the, of the uh, presser. Mm-hmm. And... You know, but then 
he he didn't really do his homework when he came out with that. I, I, I you know what he was trying to say, but um, you know Daniel Jones had been struggling until the last couple of weeks in New York. Mm-hmm. You know, same thing with you know, learning a new system, and he's in his his uh, fourth year mm-hmm. in the league or fifth year in the league, fourth year in the league, and um, Dallas has been playing with a backup who's been a you know all over the place and was a rookie was an undrafted free agent when he came uh, into the league in the first place. So the only consistent play you've been getting in the NFC East is is from Jalen Hurts in, in Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. You know, so Ron was a little off on that, but you know he's trying to say that well, these other teams have gotten consistent quarterback play and we haven't. Mm-hmm. And so is is really what he was. That was the gist of what he was saying, but I think everybody took it as he was calling out Wentz. Well, well. Uh, Carson Wentz has been a problem in uh, locker rooms and just his his attitude towards the game. And I was surprised that the commanders went after him and signed him. But uh, nonetheless, uh, here is the question regarding officials. It's from Sam Rush, and he was referring to a tweet that you sent out uh, that uh, – he says he never thought about it, but he absolutely agrees with your tweet that there should be transparent accountability for the referees blowing calls. And so why hasn't the NFL done this? You know, I, it's a good question. And I don't know if you saw my tweet, no, but it had nothing to do with the Bears game. It was actually the, the Tampa Bay Atlanta game. Oh, my goodness. And Grady Jarrett got hit with a roughing the passer call. Wow. Did you see the play by any chance? Oh, yeah, a million times. There was, if anything wasn't roughing the passer, if that was just a play. If I put my tweet, if anything, he let up on it. Yes. He grabbed him, twirled around, came down, didn't throw him. And the referee goes, he slammed him to the ground unnecessarily. That's totally wrong. In fact, mm-hmm. he's flat out lying. Mm-hmm. And I said, he should be, and it was uh, uh, referee was Bolger. And I said, he should be fined or suspended for that call. And then I tweeted over that, quoted the tweet and said, players, coaches, front office are all held accountable to how they play on Sunday. Mm-hmm. You know, players are fined for certain things. Why aren't referees held accountable? Mm-hmm. Now, the the league will come back and they'll tell you, well, they're graded. And then at the end of the season, if they don't meet a certain level, they're not brought back, you know, for the, for the next year. Mm-hmm. That doesn't help you on Sunday when it costs you a game. And that call yesterday could have cost the game for the Atlanta Falcons. Mm-hmm. You know, so that, there's yep. there's got to be more accountability to that. He should, if he's not fined or suspended, he should lose his referee title. Make him be a line judge. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, it was uh, uh, Jerome Booger who was Booger, the official. Yeah, I said Booger, yeah. but Bo- yeah, it's just terrible, terrible call. Mm-hmm. Wow. Unbelievable. Uh, Danger T has a question. Hi, Greg. With the firing of Matt Rule today by the Panthers, do you think it's a good time to trade with a team rebuilding in Carolina like DJ Moore, who you tweeted about? It ain't happening. <laughs> Why? Just, just, just on the the signing bonus cap hit. Mm. 
I think Carolina's got nine million dollars left in cap space, mm-hmm. and and to trade him today would cost them fourteen. Mm-hmm. So there'd be five million over on the cap just mm-hmm. to make the trade. That doesn't happen. It. Number two, why do you trade one of your? Why would you even think about trade one of your good young players? Yeah. Right. Okay. I mean, that's ridiculous. Third, I know Scott Fitter very, very well. We worked together in New York and Scott's a pretty astute football guy. He did not hire rule. He came mm-hmm. in the year at rule came in year one. And then Scott came in the following year after rules first season. And he came, he was at Seattle for a long time. He left New York, went to Seattle and, you know, grew a lot in Seattle, worked his way up to uh, direct vice president of player personnel and very astute personnel guy mm-hmm. and a real good guy. He isn't going to make stupid deals. It's just not going to happen. And and why would you the, – the only player I'd think about trading if I was Scott is the running back because mm-hmm. he's hurt all the time. But what can you get for him? Right. Yeah, it's um, it's 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 difficult. Now the trading deadline is after week eight. I think the date is November first, uh, the Tuesday, the November first. Do you anticipate that the Bears might be making phone calls as opposed to receiving phone calls? No, the trading deadline in the NFL is a non-day. Hmm. Now, the last couple of years, there's always two or three or four deals. It's not like baseball and hockey where, mm-hmm. you know, like the, the, the NHL network and the Major League Baseball network devote full days to of, of coverage for the, the trading deadline because there's a boatload of deals. Mm-hmm. You know, they're not three or four. There might be 50 mm-hmm. or 60, I mean, just a ton. And in the days leading up football, okay, you might get three. Mm-hmm. Now, last year you had one big one. You had Von Miller. Okay, and but generally speaking, if you, it, it's going to be a, if there is a trade, it's going to be a guy, you know, like a like a Quinn who's coming out. You know, might be older player coming out of contract, costs you a lot of money. You, you know, you want to get rid of that contract, or you know, you, you know, you're going to lose the guy in free agency the next year, something like that. Those are the types of deals, rentals. Mm-hmm. You know, you see those types of things, but you don't, you very rarely see anything else. The media tries to make a big deal out of it because of the, you know, what happens in the NHL, the NBA, and the, uh, and, and Major League Baseball. But it's just, it's not the same in football. It, it's like I said, it's a non day. Yeah. It's just a, another day at the office. Right. Well, um, and and I frankly I I think that the Bears you know if they were to be offered something I don't think that they would pull the trigger on anything unless it was a deal that was so lopsided sort of like the Von Miller you know a second round and a third rounder kind of deal for Quinn perhaps um, would you if you if the phone rang and a team said we'll give you a second and a third for for Quinn, would you consider something like that? Given the, you know, the status of this team? I'd say don't hang up. (laughs) I like that answer. (laughs) Let me talk to some friends. (laughs) How soon you got to know right now? I'll tell you, you know, because then you you take into, you know, the production this year versus the salary he's making 
um, and, and where you want to go with the team. Now he gets pressures, not taking mm-hmm. away the fact that he gets pressures, but he's just not getting the, the sack production. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, if you can get something for him, I do it, but who's, will somebody do it? Maybe, mm-hmm. but I, you know, I don't think you know, he's not Von Miller. No, <laughs> last year, last year he was, but, he, but you know, that that's, and, and could he do that to mm-hmm. a contender? Yeah, but I, I, I think reality is probably a four. Mm-hmm. You know, because you don't forget you're taking on the tail end of that salary too for the year. And I think it's a, I, I'd have to look up the number, but I think he's a $12 million cap hit. But, you know, some of that is signing bonus figured into that. So it's really the remainder of the salary for uh, plus whatever, you, you know, that the team, the, the, the buying team, just picks up the remainder of the salary. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Michael Henneman has a couple of questions. Well, first of all, it's a statement. He says that when the Tampa 2 isn't getting pressure on the quarterback, it's ugly to watch, and it's death by a thousand paper cuts. Then he asks this question, did you hear anything about the play calling being taken away by from a defensive coordinator Allen Williams in the second half? He heard a rumor that that might have happened. Uh I think they there the camera went on floose mm-hmm. and he had a piece of paper in his hand and he was talking into the microphone. Mm-hmm. Well put the paper put the camera on floose in every game. He's got the same piece of paper in his hand. Takes notes. And he covers, right. and he covers up his mouth when he's talking. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So no, I don't think there's anything to it. Yeah, I think it's a rumor that started because somebody noticed the improved play by the defense, and they s- speculated that the play calling uh, due to the defense has played better in the second half in every game this year. That is true. Uh, they only given up one touchdown, and that was this Sunday. Unfortunately, right. and, and they if they've done anything really well, it's to make a ju- halftime adjustments mm-hmm. on the defensive side of the ball, and. Uh, the defensive players are right. We got to get off to a better start. Mm-hmm. Mr. J2K, uh, what's your thoughts on all the stunts that the Bears defense ran yesterday? Um, I was happy to see them. They were, uh, uh, for the most part, productive. We saw a highlight of Jones getting a sack. What do you think about all these stunts the Bears defense is running? Yeah, you put stuff in where you think you're going to win. Mm-hmm. So it's it's what you see on tape. And – and. In saying that, you know, you got your, I call them GAs, but your assistant assistants and things like that, that your quality control guys, stuff like that. They're, they're like a week ahead. Mm-hmm. So who who the hell, the, I don't even know who the Bears play after Washington in a week and a half, but that's who those guys are working on now. Mm-hmm. The, the, the coaching staff is, is working on Washington right now. Well, these the other guys are, they're working on the following week. Patriots. Okay, the Patriots. And and I, I'll tell you what, the schedule maker did not do the Bears any favors. Four out of five games on the road. I know, it's crazy. And then the one home game is on Thursday. Yeah, what, 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 what's with that? I mean, that, that that's idiotic that you do that to a team. Yeah. Especially a team that, that you know, Unless the Bears said, hey, we're going to stink this year, make it real hard for us on the first half of the season and give mm-hmm. us a majority of our road games in the first half of the season. Mm-hmm. Yep. 
Um, Chicago's Finest is wondering if you would sign Roquan Smith or say, Roquan, we're going to take all that money we would have invested in you and pay somebody else. Uh, you know what? I see some of the criticism and I laugh. Guy's pretty damn good football player. Does he make a mistake here and there? Yeah, tell me a football player that doesn't. Mm-hmm. You know what he's averaging for the for the year? Better than 10 tackles a game. He's on par for... Uh, 170, 180 tackles for the season. Mm-hmm. Yep. It is uh well take, take him out of the defense and see what happens. <laughs> that's not gonna be pretty, that's for sure. <laughs> but the question is really is you know, it does he deserve the type of money that we presume he's asking for? Well, he wants to be paid with the, he wants to be paid in, in the level of Warner, San Francisco. And uh, Shaq Leonard. Leonard in, in uh, Indianapolis and, and Shaq, he's playing the same position as Shaq. Um, you know, that that's that's not for me to say. I here's what I say about contracts you're worth what a team is willing to pay you. Okay, <laughs> so if, if a team wants to pay you 20 million bucks, well, I guess you're worth 20 million bucks. Because mm-hmm. that's what somebody said that you're worth. You know, we could we could say all we want about Christian Kirk for getting all that money from um, Jacksonville. They thought he was worth it. It mm-hmm. did. It did. I mean, that money did screw up the wide receiver market. It might take a couple of years for it to resettle. But now, because of that, everybody wants a the the market for the wide receiver just jumped crazy. Mm-hmm. Indeed. Pepe asked, do you think that Roquan is as good as Leonard or Warner? Well, you know, it's almost an unfair question because in the scheme Roquan was was playing his first few years in the league, he was great. Mm-hmm. Hey, this is his first year in this scheme, which is entirely different. They're asking him to do a lot of different things than he had to do in the other scheme. And mm-hmm. so – He's still learning to play within that scheme. Right. And Leonard has had, you know, played that entire, his entire career in that scheme. Mm-hmm. So it, it's really an unfair question. Is he as talented? Yes. Mm-hmm. If, you look at, if you look at just raw talent, easily as talented. Yep. Chicago's finest likes Roquan a lot. He's just afraid that the Bears are going to use the franchise tag on him and that Roquan won't like that. Well, Chicago's finest, when uh, Roquan was asked about that at a press conference. He, he, he almost said, I'll sign it right away. <laughs> exactly. He loved that number. Yeah, he, <laughs> so, said that, he said, that's a lot more money than I'm making now. Right. That's and it's fully cool. guaranteed, too. Yeah, so. <laughs> it's guaranteed the day you sign it. Exactly. Brianna asked the question, uh, what do Aldo and Greg, let's ask Greg, think about starting Jack Sanborn and Mike Pinnall Jr. to help against the run on running downs. Would you like to see the young man? Pennell played a lot yesterday. He did. He did. And not too bad. And Pennell's been playing more. Mm -hmm. What do you think about Sanborn? Who is he going to replace? Yeah. You're not going to take Morrow out. I know some people aren't happy with Morrow, but he's not the problem. More, more. Uh, no, it's actually to me. It's 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 the 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 lines got to get a little tougher. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. not the, the the linebackers are the second level of defense. You know, then I think the line has got to play tougher. Um, 
there's times when you know the the defense of the run is left a little bit to be desired and, and some of it is gap integrity mm-hmm. you know just playing within the system um you know fast forward a little bit i'd bet my bottom dollar on the first picks a defensive lineman aha well it's interesting now, it, it, I, that uh, assuming the right defensive lineman is there like Jalen Carter. Oh, uh, they won't. They, I don't think they're going to be looking at him. I think he's going to be already counting his money. See, I, I I'm still of the belief that they're going to win at least eight games. Yeah. Okay. Okay. But okay. number three, number three coming Thursday night. And so I, you know, and I think they'll beat Detroit twice because Detroit stinks. Mm-hmm. Detroit could score points. They can't they can't stop anybody. Mm. Yeah, that's for sure. Well they didn't score any points any points yesterday, that's for sure. Um Eric Boro says, do you think that Al Qadim Muhammad has been effective in his uh reps and playtime? He's playing just like he did in the Colts. He's he's a role player. He's a seven sack guy. If if you thought he was brought in here to get 10 or 11, you're you know, that's the wrong player. That's not his game. Mm-hmm. You know, he played He played in a rotation at Indianapolis, was the starter, played on the left side, uh, and they did a rotation just like Flus is doing here. I think mm-hmm. he, the best he's ever had there was seven, seven and a half sacks. He was available. They didn't pay an arm and a leg for him. Well, he got good money. I, I take it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you take it. Um, <laughs> should I take it? I take one year and, and run away. And then, I'll take five percent of it. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, he he he's doing what he was brought here for. Mm-hmm. I think some people are you know were thinking that he was going to come in and be gangbusters. That's not the player they were buying, and mm-hmm. and if you, they would have paid him a lot more if that's what they thought they were getting. Mm-hmm. I think you were asked this question last week about Jalen Holmes. Do you think he can make an impact on this Bears team? I think your response, if I remember correctly, was that you hadn't had a chance much to study Jalen Holmes. No, and I still haven't. So okay. I got to take a look. Uh, there, there's there's going to be some interesting guys in this draft to, and I've probably done close to 200 right now, not as thoroughly as I'd like yet, which I will get. And then, you know, in grades are always fluid. So mm-hmm. now it's like you're doing the your, your first run through of guys. And then after you get, you know, get to say 250, 300 players, then you start going by position and looking at guys back to back to back because then mm-hmm. it's real easy to stack them. Mm-hmm. You know, so – Whenever I, I slap a grade on a guy now, it's really, I, I call it a preliminary grade because, you know, it's what I feel when I see from, from looking at, you know, the tape, but then you get, you know, you get in, into December, January, and February, and you start doing, okay, today I'm going to do the top 15 defensive tackles. Mm-hmm. Okay. Regardless of, you know, how I look at them and you look at, you know, a bunch of tape on each one right after one after another after another and it's very very easy then to separate them and to say okay this guy 
this guy can do this, this guy can do that. This guy's a fit, this guy's not a fit. And there's going to be guys, because of the nature of this defense and what they look for in a three technique, there could be some guys that are, quote, defensive ends Mm -hmm. in, in college, bigger defensive ends in college that could be an inside player in this game. Mm. My buddy Berlissimo asked a question. If you had to pick one of the following four Panthers players to call about a realistic trade, who and why? Now, again, remember, if you had to, this is a total hypothetical. Would you call and ask about DJ Moore, Derek Brown, Brian Burns, or J.C. Horn? Well, for DJ Moore is a first-round pick. Brian Burns, I think, was a first-round pick. And J.C. Horn's a first-round pick in his second year. And I talked to Scott about 20 minutes after he drafted uh, um, J.C. Horn. And, you know, he was he was having multiple orgasms at the time. So um, <laughs> I, I don't really know Derek Brown. But, yeah, that that's so hypothetical it's never going to happen. So, you know, I – I'm sorry, but I I, I I live in the real world, and that's not the real world. That's fantasy football. <laughs> and by the way, I don't think Berlissimo plays fantasy football. Either. No, and, and I'm not and I'm not trying to <laughs> criticize him, but it's not real. I mean, why do people they fired their coach? They're not. Mm-hmm. Why, why do you think they're going to get rid of all the players? Why would Scott do that? Yeah, it seems. Uh, Little premature. I mean, we've got a couple of weeks before the trade. No, if there are ten year, if there are ten year guys, nine year guys, something like that, that's a different story. Yeah, those are all young. Those are young players. Yeah, these are promising players. So, and they and, would and their best players. Yeah, exactly. They expect a first round draft pick. And in, in, so you're yeah. going to get rid of them and then give the new coach nothing. Yeah. <laughs> I agree with that. All right. Uh, somebody just asked about Kalija Kansi, the pit uh, defensive lineman, six foot tall, 280 pounds. You had a chance to look at him or hear anything about uh, Clancy? Um, I, I did him a while ago for that one group I'm doing some stuff for. I don't remember a whole lot about him. Mm-hmm. Um, poor man's. Number 99 from Pitt it <laughs> is probably the best way. And a real poor, poor man. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, he's got some talent. He's strong. Um, I'm not as up to date because I think it was back, you know, last year's day. And I'll tell you what, speaking of that, there's a big difference between looking at tape from the 21 season, which I did on a lot of these guys, and then you get into 22. Mm-hmm. Most get better. Some get worse. Hmm. And and so and and you gotta see that. That's why, you know, you, some of these people wanna throw up mock drafts and 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 top ten players. A perfect example. Whoever heard of this running back from Pitt was running all over the place, he had three hundred yards, over three hundred yards rushing the other day. Uh has only had one game where he wasn't over a hundred, I think, this year. Mm-hmm. You know, whoever heard of that guy, <laughs> even probably three weeks ago, and now you know, he, he bucking his way up to the being the could be the best. He's a junior, could be one of the better running backs in this class. Mm-hmm. Interesting. All right. You already made a prediction uh, saying that the Bears will win Thursday against Washington. What do you foresee in this game? What gives you the confidence uh, that this Bears team is going to win at home against the Commodores? Or <laughs> I did it again, Commanders. 
you know, I, I think the way they came back yesterday, you know, the team, and I wrote this earlier in the article, they could have done two things. Mm-hmm. They could have just tanked and folded, at, mm-hmm. at, you know, when they got down 21 to three, or they could have fought back and they fought back. And then the way Justin played in the second half that, you know, you saw, wow, this is the guy we thought he could be. Mm-hmm. And I think it's because of that and that it's not only going to build a confidence in him, but it's a confidence. Losses are awful. Losses suck. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, and I hate that term moral victory because there is there is no such thing as a moral victory, but it was a positive step. And I and I, I started off my article this, this morning and it went back to my early days with the Giants of, of you know, I try to pick up things from everybody that I've worked for that, you know, especially the people that have been really good. And conversation I had with George Young probably back in 85 or something is, is there's always positives in defeat and you've got to build off of those positives. Mm-hmm. You know, don't, don't, the media will, will dwell on the negatives and, and burn you at the stake on the negatives. Right. right. Okay. Well, you can't listen to that shit. You gotta, cause you gotta gain next week. Mm-hmm. So you gotta build on the positives. And I'll tell you, then I go in and I listen you know, I write that article this morning, but then I listened to Flus's contra- or Crusher this morning. He's the same way. <laughs> he was building on the positives because mm. that's what he's trying to do. He's trying to instill confidence in this team. That's why I like about the guy. Yeah. You know, he, he's kind of um, no nonsense. He, he's totally different than Nagy ever thought about being. You know, he, he, he has a lot of confidence in what he's doing. He's sure of what he's doing. Mm-hmm. And so and he's not going to sit and dwell on the negatives. He's, he's just concentrating on what he saw that was positive. Mm-hmm. E- even the, the Smith-Marset play, you know, it was a, it was a, a dumb play on, on the kid's part, but he tried to, to build on the positive. Yeah, he tried to make a move and make a play and it was almost there, you know. And so that's pretty much exactly what George said to me shit almost 40 years ago now, 30, 37 years ago. I'm very disappointed, uh, Greg, that you did not do a George Young impression. <laughs> Your famous Greg. <laughs> Harry, did you get that fucking contract done yet? <laughs> That's a treat. <laughs> We're going to have to do a uh, like a recording of all your famous impressions. That one is number one. It has to be number one. <laughs> all right, everybody. I got, I, you'll, you'll like this. Okay. <laughs> George, George, you know, grew up as a school teacher. Got mm-hmm. out of college, went to Bucknell, became a teacher. He was a coach, but he became a teacher. He taught in high school and then, you know, got real friendly with, with uh, Don Shula and ended up down with the Dolphins and, and then the Giants. Well, mm-hmm. 
George, and, and part of it was because, it, you know, he, he grew up being a teacher and, and was an educator. Diehard liberal when it came to political thoughts. Never met a more conservative man in my life. Is that right? <laughs> the most, I, you know, he told me he was liberal. I, I go, no, you can't be. I go, George, everything you do says, you know, the way he puts together a football team, the way he negotiates contracts, everything uh, was, was nothing but diehard conservatism. Uh, uh, that is that is funny. I've met people like that, though. Uh, Bellissimo says, please ask, Greg, about Emil Ikior, who has been draft eligible now for two years. And uh, he, he, uh, Bellissimo said earlier that he's seen him uh, in previous draft guides listed as a seventh round talent and that now he's risen into, at least in Bellissimo's eyes, first round talent. Do you know anything about this guy, young guy? From yeah, I, know, but I haven't really studied Alabama, almost any, really nobody from Alabama. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I get a list of guys to do from the people I'm doing work for and they haven't sent me Al any Al Alabama guys yet. Mm -hmm. So, and, and he sends me a list every week guys to do. So that's mm -hmm. what I do. And when I get to, uh, uh, and then when I'm, you know, trying to do some, the, the work I do for the East West, it's the same thing. Uh, you know, Eric has certain guys that he wants me to do. So I, I you know, that's what I do first. Mm -hmm. And then you got time to do, I, I no, honestly, I haven't even watched Alabama on TV yet. I have not no, either. I, no, it's funny because I'm watching Kansas because a friend of mine is a coach at, at, at Kansas mm -hmm. and, and, and everybody says he's the hot name and, you know, he's going to be at Nebraska or Wisconsin or something like that. I, I've known Lance for about, four years, talked to him a lot when I was working in the XFL because we took three or four of his players at DC. And, and that's how I really got to know him, just talking about the players he had. Mm -hmm. And um, he, I just can't see him leaving Kansas. Even he's a Wisconsin guy. Now mm -hmm. he was at was he won like, Seven national championships, division three championships at, at Wisconsin Whitewater. Wow. But he and then he took the University of Buffalo from being the, you know, the the armpit of the Mac to a Mac championship game. I don't think he won a championship, but he got him to the championship game and got him in bowls three years in a row, which they hadn't seen in like forever. And but he left UB to go to Kansas. And I, I remember saying to him, I said, that's dead end street there, man. Hmm. I said, I've been going to that school since 1984 and nobody wins there. Nobody wins there. It's, hmm. it's a, you know, it's a basketball school that is a really low second fiddle to the, to the basketball, you know, the football program is really low to the basketball program. And I said, it's just, it's an empty stadium, everything. Well, and this is the second season. They've had three sellouts in a row. Wow. They're five and one. Their their quarterback goes out in the first half. The backup comes in and throws four touchdown passes. They're like a play away from beating TCU, who was also undefeated. They're one game short of being bowl eligible. They haven't been to a bowl game in, in, in forever. And yes, you well, he's the hot name. You know, I thought about this. He can do for Kansas what Bill Snyder did for Kansas State. 
Mm-hmm. And Kansas State, I'll tell you, I went to a game, a Kansas State-Kansas game at Kansas State. Mm-hmm. This is way, way back. Both teams stunk. There wasn't four, that's the, the in-state rivalry. I guarantee you there wasn't four or 5,000 people at the game. And the game ended up like, I think it was a 3-3 tie or something. I, had to, I mean, it was way back in the in the middle 80s and nobody was there and the game was absolutely horrible and both teams stunk. And then Snyder comes in there and builds up Kansas State to a very respectable program. Well, and, and he's revered in Manhattan, Kansas. Mm-hmm. Okay. Lance Leipold can do the same thing at Kansas. Why would he leave to go on the hot seat at, at a Wisconsin or Nebraska? And Nebraska's really, in my opinion, not a good job. Mm. You know, it was a good job 20 years ago mm-hmm. when Tom Osborne had it. I don't mm-hmm. think it's a good job now because, you know, the, the, the world's changed. Oh, yeah. Football landscape has changed. And they were playing in the in the old Big 8 then. And now they're in the Big Ten. It's just, you know, why they made that move is, it, yeah, it was money, but that wasn't a smart move for them. Yeah. Hey, uh, before I get you out of here, uh, J2K had a question regarding that list. Any wide receivers on that list that you've been asked to take a look at? Any? Uh... I've, looked, I've looked at a lot, but I'm saving names. Okay. I, I, I'm not as high. Um, everybody likes uh, Smith and Jigba. From Ohio State, he's played in two games, and we uh, mentioned him last week. He mm-hmm. got four catches in two games. Mm-hmm. Okay, he had ninety-five catches, I think, last year, mm-hmm. and he played in the slot. And he was the number three to two guys that went in the first round. Mm-hmm. Well, who was drawing all the coverage? Those two guys on the outside, and so you know, is he really as good as those numbers said? And and He's been legitimately hurt. He had a hamstring problem. Got hurt against Notre Dame in the opener. Uh, hasn't you know played one game since. We'll see what happens after that. But in looking at this receiving class is very very deep again. Mm-hmm. It's going to be deep every year because there's just it's it's what's coming out of high school and new NFL. Yeah, new. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's, it's college football too. The way that yeah, so right. college football mm-hmm. and you're going to get a good guy in the second round. You're going to get a good guy in the third round. And I mean, guys who are going to grow into be good starters. Mooney, look where he was. He was the fifth round pick. Okay. Uh, who's one of the best receivers in football? Guy who left Green Bay, went over to Oakland, second round pick. You know, you can I give you a ton of players that are great players at the wide receiver position that did not go in the first round. Mm-hmm. And you don't have to uh, me. I'm I'm meat and potatoes guy, you know. And and uh, George Alex said, "Parade of the elephants." <laughs> I'm I'm building from the inside out, and when I have that taken care of, then I start working on that. Now, do they have to get a receiver? Yeah, but don't forget, you got two ways of getting it. You can spend money in free agency. And mm-hmm. when I started with the Giants, so we we free agency wasn't invented yet. Mm-hmm. You know, the first thing we had was Plan B, and that came maybe my fifth or sixth year in the league, something like that, or, or with the Giants. And then you got into to free agency. But you, you got two ways of acquiring players. Mm-hmm. They'll take care of you. Yeah, Tyreek Hill, fifth-round pick. I tell you, I, I had the list last week because I mentioned it. Maybe it's right here. I still got it. Shows you how much cleaning I do in this office. <laughs> 
A-Rob was the second-round list. Stephon Diggs. I think he's, like, maybe the second-best receiver in the league. And wow. he might be the first. Runs great routes. Fifth-round pick. Ty, uh, Tyree Kill, fifth-round pick. Cooper Cup, third-round pick. Devontae Adams, second-round pick. Yeah. Okay. Darnell Mooney, fifth round All pick. those guys are in the group of, the, of the, you know, say the top ten receivers in the game. Mm-hmm. Yep. Debo Samuel, second round pick. Debo, right? Yep. I saw him down at the senior boat. I was like, wow, this guy's a first rounder. And when he was still there in the second round, I was shocked. You know, well, for, you, you know, you look at the number and then say, what I always did when I was working with the Bears is I, we took averages. Mm -hmm. What's the average? And you go back 10, 12 drafts mm -hmm. because, I'm to, you know, things can tend to change. And, and you have a freaky draft here and there, depending on a position but how many how many quarterbacks go how right. many running backs go how many you know offensive linemen go like you know it used to be and the one number that stays has been constant now for 20 years is 12 to 15 corners go in the first three rounds wow they might not go in the first the second round seems to be more corner heavy than than the first round mm -hmm. but you can take it to the bank. 12 to 15 are going in the first three rounds. Hmm. Okay. It used to be that you could get your third offensive lineman. You could get, if you were picking 13, 14, around in there, you know, you could think, okay, I'm going to get my third rated offensive lineman. And your third rated might be, you know, fifth rated somewhere else and second rated by another team or whatever. So, but, you know, you can go into there and think, I'm going to get my number three, and you could end up with number two because of how they, you know, how they fall to other teams. Mm -hmm. But that's what you got to do. You know, you look at, at, at the averages. So you say, okay, five receivers are going to go. Now you, got, you can't even count a running back. If it's a running back, you know, please, let there be one or two running backs go. So it pushes another player down. But it used to be, like, the, the year – the last year it happened was the year we took said and three went in the top five. Okay. The two Auburn backs, Cadillac Williams and uh, Brown. And, mm -hmm. and we took said three running backs in the top five. That, that <laughs> hasn't had, and that, that used to be the, the position that you took high. Yep. Not anymore. Yeah. And it's, I, I, I doubt it will ever go back that way with uh, the way the, the league loves the aerial attacks. By the way, somebody in the chat room, and let me give the person credit uh, for noting this. Oh, fuck. Uh, Eric. Eric says that the Bears just released their, released their injury report, and Jalen Johnson practiced in full today, which, of course, was just a walkthrough. But uh, and Dane Cruikshank might be ready to play some football for the Chicago Bears, so that's a pretty good looking injury report based on, on what well, we know. The, the Monday report on a short week is mm -hmm. based on if we would have had a practice, right? What would have what would have been their status? Mm -hmm. Because they base you know for, for the injury purposes that's. It's three full days of practice, so it's in, in a short week. It's Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Yeah, it says there in the small type that is practice status is a right. projection because they did not really practice. Right, but they're, 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 they did, though, like Flew said in his presser, that 
some of these guys were going out after the walkthrough and work with the trainers as far as conditioning and, and, and some stuff and the strength staff mm-hmm. uh, to, to see where they are. Mm-hmm. So that tells me that when he did his stuff with the medical staff, he was given a full go. Yep. By the way, GCA uh, brings up Jalen Jones. He has been an impressive undrafted free agent uh, uh, player for the Chicago Bears. Uh, you know, he he's may never make a Pro Bowl, but he's definitely a serviceable player. And uh, if he gets better and better, maybe we will see him in a Pro Bowl someday. No, he um, was a guy that had some injury issues at, at Ole Miss. Oh, okay. And then kind of got pushed to the wayside. And then at, at his, he, he tore it up at his pro day, ran like four four one, jumped out of the building. I, I, I'm going off the top of my head, but I think it's like a 37 and a half vertical. All, all his numbers were like in the elite category. Mm-hmm. You know, for for a, a person at that position, so the the natural physical traits were all there. When he was healthy as an underclassman, he was a pretty good player. He just mm-hmm. got caught up in some injury situation and pushed him. Uh, you know, some and and you know he had the COVID year in there and stuff, and it just you know kind of pushed him aside. You get lucky like that every once in a while. Indeed. All right, that's the Chiefs and the Raiders tonight. Uh, one of the classic rivalries. Who do you got? Asked Tareen. I want to see the Raiders physically beat up on the Chiefs because the Chiefs got to play my Bills on Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling you, those the Buffalo Bills are going to win the Super Bowl. I should I should look to see what the odds are and put a hundred dollars on it because I am convinced that is the absolute best team in the National Football League. Well, that, I mean. It, it, I'm sure you saw the AFC game last year between Kansas City and Buffalo, the uh, playoff mm-hmm. game. Oh, yeah. And, and they were talking about it last night on the Sunday night game. And, and I forgot the amount of points that were scored in the final two minutes and then in overtime, 31 points. <laughs> oh my in the final two minutes of the game in overtime, 31 points. That's got to be a record. <laughs> okay. And, and, you know, the – the play of both Mahomes and Josh Allen, it was like, wow. I mean, yeah. I mean, it was probably the best football game you'll ever see. And Buffalo obviously lost the game and has the sour t- uh, taste in their mouth. I think they're going to do to Kansas City what they did to the Rams, just go mm-hmm. in there and kick the shit out of them, but who knows. Well, and, and Kansas City is going to be, you know, it's a home game for Kansas City, but they're coming off a short week. Yeah. Know, playing on Monday night, so. Right. Well, it'll be a fun game to have on while people are listening and watching the Bears Country podcast right here in the Barroom Network. Starts at 7 p.m. Central. They are going to go long. Usually it's a one-hour show. They'll be going two hours or so uh, for the rest of the season now that the White Sox are officially out of the uh, postseason. Do you follow postseason baseball at all, Greg? Nah, not, you know, let's, there's a team. I, I, I'm not a big baseball fan yeah. only because, you know, the late – part of the baseball season sort of, you know, yeah. is it the wrong time of the year. That's but right. I did see a, 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 a picture on Twitter yesterday. Mm-hmm. Uh, some bar in Chicago had a sign that said, you know, kind of like big fucking deal. The Cardinals played two more games than the Cubs this year. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. <laughs> How true. Yeah. I'm with you on baseball. It's like uh the, the baseball season should end 
uh, on Labor Day weekend. World Series and all. I'm sorry. Uh, it's just well, I, 162 games is too many, but you know, it's ridiculous. They should allow tackling. Maybe they, they, they'd be more fun to watch. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Greg, great job as always. I'll see you here. I don't know if, if you want to do a show on Friday after the Bears beat. Well, well, let's, let's, uh, let's see what happens and yeah. what we got going on over here. Let me know, and then we'll let everyone else know via our social media accounts, which you see up on the screen, and also the best way to stay on top of what we're doing here at The Barroom is to subscribe to The Barroom Network on our YouTube channel or anywhere you get audio podcasts. Remember, it's Bears Country Podcast tonight at 7 p.m. Central. Take care, everybody. See you later.